the story takes place it's in 1671 in a in a little town a little forest town uh in in massachusetts and it is the first fully documented uh eyewitness account of demonic possession in american history everybody and welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i'm your host brent thomas thank you all for joining us and special thank you to goes out to all of you who continue to support the podcast and continue to spread the word always remember if any of you out there have experiences of your own that you'd like to share feel free to email me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com again paranormalportalradio at gmail.com and you too could be a guest on the show Today's show is going to be fascinating, and uh, it's going to be an incredible journey, folks, because joining us, I have M.R. Gorga, who is an incredible author who's written a book called Demons Among Us, and it's an an incredible look into an amazing historical demonic situation in uh, pre-Salem Witch Trial America. And so we're going to get into that and so much more. Welcome to the show, M.R. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Brent. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. And, and I'm so thrilled that you wanted to come on the show. This is a, this is a different kind of episode than, than what we've done much of, but I love uh, having an opportunity to talk with you and to discuss your work. Um, could you just give everybody an idea of what Demons Among Us is? Sure. Well, Demons Among Us is really a uh, a peer behind the veil of the paranormal. I like to say it like it it just rips the veil of the paranormal uh, to expose those things, uh, evil things that operate behind the scenes. Uh, and so Demons Among Us is a real deep dive behind that curtain uh, to expose the kinds of things that uh, influence individuals and society's lives in a way that they they may not even have been aware of and they may be at risk. Again, you and I have talked a little bit before the show here, and and your writing style is phenomenal. You're just a, a very gifted writer, that and, and it Thank draws you. you into the scene. So the reading in and of itself is an absolute pleasure, but the material is also incredibly compelling. And I, I got to ask you, how did it how did it kind of land on your on your to do list to do to do the book? I mean, was there anything that led up to this for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, The book itself is an answer to a string of uh, demonic attacks that I was experiencing uh, some years ago. And uh, what was happening was it was uh, just nighttime assaults with um, midnight or, you know, very late night strangulations with cruel, invisible hands, uh, chokings that, you know, literally choke the life out of you. Um, uh, scratchings and bitings and, you know, chest suppressions with, you know, like oppression or suppressing of the chest. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, some people would call that, uh, you know, um, what, what would they call that was, um, the old hag uh, syndrome. What is it? The old hag syndrome. Uh, the old hag syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Someone would think that it's that it's that oh sleep uh paralysis. Uh, sleep paralysis, yes. yes I couldn't think of the name. Yeah, someone would think it was sleep paralysis, but they, it's it's so far beyond that just sure. because of just the level of um 
the intensity of the darkness that comes along with it that enters the room. Um, and so my, it was my answer to a string of assaults that was going on, you know, these, these demons and these demon spirits, they don't want to be exposed. They, they operate in secrecy and they don't want you to know how they function. They don't want you to know, uh, their, their, I guess their deep evil secrets. Right. (laughs) And, um, and so uh, demons among us is an answer to that, to expose those things. And, uh, and not only that, at the time, uh, I was, uh, it was, wasn't only me, but it was, an, it was numerous people, uh, in my circle. I, uh, for many years, I functioned as a prayer leader at the, at my, in, uh, at church in my, in the ministry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and at the end of, uh, the meeting, I asked, uh, people if they were experiencing these types of things. And, um, you know, we were all kind of like standing in a circle and then one by one, I see like one hand raised like reluctantly. And then all these other hands started to, to raise, to rise. And by the time it was over, it was like 13 people out of like 25, 30 people. And they were, you know, they were all experiencing the same things and they didn't want to come forward and say anything because they didn't want anyone to think that they were crazy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and so, uh, and so once I, I realized that it wasn't just me and it was other people under under uh, an assault, then I just started thinking, you know, well, how many other people, you know, are under assault and, you know, and, and don't want to come forward or don't know what it is. And, and that's why I wrote the book is to really um, it's my answer. It's my attack back. Hmm. Oh, it's it's brilliant. And uh, I, I have to really agree with you. And, and this is something that I think is very true about demonic uh, attacks is that they're not in your face. They're not waving banners saying, I'm a demon, I'm coming to bug you, and make themselves known. In fact, it occurs to me that they don't want to be acknowledged. They don't want you to realize what is going on to you until they, once you do realize, it's way late in the game. Like, They've already mm-hmm. been at this for quite a long time, uh, you know, with, with oppression, yeah. with the old black cloud over people's heads and, right. and that, that mood that just never lifts. And that's that, right. that feeling of darkness and hopelessness that surrounds yes. these people, that they want to isolate people, like, you know, like any abusive yes. relationship, you know, that whole isolation thing and to take you away from things that give you strength right. and make you strong. And that's then right. by the time you acknowledge it, you, you know, you've got a fight on your hands. Yeah, and that's true. And the uh, the middle section of the book is uh, is is all about that, mm-hmm. and it's about you know the spirits or the evil spirits that operate um, in the lives of people and throughout society. Um, we'll call these you know spirits. Um, biblically speaking, they're they're called principalities, mm-hmm. meaning that they have um, they have rule over certain areas and they have rule in people's lives and. Um, we often tend to think, you know, uh, look at them as not what their name is, like you're Brent and I'm MR, and but they're known more about by how they function or what their role is. Uh-huh. And that is uh, if we can look at it as like as depression, as a spirit of depression, uh, anger as a spirit of anger. Anxiety is a spirit of anxiety. Mm. Uh, suicide is a spirit of suicide, and so on. Lust is a spirit of lust, or pornea, or pornography. And so you have all of these evil spirits operating in society, 
and influencing individual lives in ways that they they might not have known they're actually spirits that they're grappling with. Mm-hmm. Right. And and with our, our our Western sensibilities and stuff, we often don't acknowledge that there is a, a spirit, you know, to things. I mean, we're right. we're conditioned to, you know, think pharmacologically and medicinally and medically, and and it's kind of become, I don't know, almost a, 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 a what's the word I'm looking for? Like a like a whimsy to think about mm-hmm. things in mm-hmm. that in that regard anymore. But I think. Yeah. I think our ancestors knew this stuff and they weren't just a bunch of simpletons like they knew because no, they, were not. they lived through so much and we discard so much of that today. No, and, and it's funny because uh, along the, the, you know, going through the material uh, and the history that was needed to um, kind of dr- uh, bring up the, the first story in the book, which was the uh, you know, first fully documented eyewitness account demonic possession in American history, mm-hmm. you know, I really had to go back to the founders of this nation. And I'm not talking like Washington. I'm talking before that in the 16, uh, you know, go, went back from the 1620s to the 1650s and, and 70s. And so I had to research all of this, this stuff and all of this history. And these guys were, these guys were brawny, you know, you know, they were they were coming. They were coming to a you know a, a, a land that was a howling wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was populated by uh, with dense dense forest, mm-hmm. uh, and who, which was inhabited by tribes of Indians. Mm-hmm. And these guys had to build out places to live in the middle of a forest. So this was, these were, you know, and these were not dumb people that came over. They founded, they founded, um, cities, they founded towns. They, they were high, they were, they were people high in England that came over and then, you know, started to, um, started to erect a nation here. So these were not dumb people by any means. Uh, this nation was founded on uh, the biblical principles because uh, that's why they came here in the first place was to uh, to get away from uh, the religious persecution they were suffering under England, um, you know, being killed and uh, beaten and, and whipped and tortured um, because they, they would not believe the way the queen wanted them to believe. Uh, and so... It was these people came over to establish a place in the wilderness where they can worship God. Um, and that was one of the sole reasons. And that's actually written in the Mayflower Compact. Mm. Wow. Yeah, these were robust characters. They weren't uh, yes. They weren't just, a, a, you know, a bunch of uh, low educated, uh, you know, work, no. worker bees. They were they were meant to set up communities and right. infrastructure yeah. and, kind right. of, you know. Yeah. Right. And you're talking about Bradford's and you're talking about, you know, and you're talking about uh, uh, the Mathers and you're talking about, you know, all these people, um, uh, Willard, who uh, uh, the, 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 the preacher in the book, his father established Concord. So these were not <laughs> simpletons <laughs> by any means. Sure. In fact, in many ways, they were way wiser than we are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of merit to that. In fact, I, I, I find it, and this is a little bit of a, a you know, splintering off from our path a little bit, but yeah. I find it interesting that even now in our modern age, 
we're re-exploring those old wisdoms of, of our ancestors, such as, mm-hmm. you know, natural remedies and stuff. And now, yes. you know, <laughs> now they're yes. trying to trademark and patent those things so they can put a label on it and put it on the shelves. Well, yeah. all of our medications are based, uh, are, are based off of plant-based um, uh, medicines, um, you know, things that come from leaves and roots and, and trees and bark and all that stuff. And the, the Native Americans uh, really knew this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and so what um, <clears throat> and if it's not from a plant based, then it's like we you know, we have the knowledge today to kind of like uh, make a, uh, a synthetic. Yeah of it and or derivative of it but i don't think anything gets gets made much mm-hmm. uh without the basis of the things that were already in creation uh, right that were ready so so we have lots and lots of natural healing in the leaves the roots and the trees and in the bark as well yeah yeah absolutely and so uh, let, let's talk about that that first story a little bit i mean obviously yeah i don't want to give it all away but uh can you kind of set that up for the listeners yeah, absolutely. Well, um, again, uh, the story takes place. It's in 1671 in a in a little town, a little forest town uh, in in Massachusetts, and it is the first fully documented uh, eyewitness account of demonic possession in American history. Um, it takes place between a minister at the town. Uh, a young guy, he was uh, 25 when he became the minister of the town, and this happened at about when he was like 30, in his, in his 30s. And this happened uh, with his 16-year-old uh, live-in maidservant or maid, and uh, it was one of his you know, congregants. Uh, so uh, what happened is that she was, for some reason, um, uh, went to live with the man or the Reverend Samuel Willard, um, her father. I mean, at the time it was a, it was a practice that, um, it, to, to give over the, the, the children to, um, you know, to the minister in exchange for him to, to teach her how to read and to write. And, um, for some, we don't know exactly why, mm-hmm. um, that, um, uh, that her father had had did this <laughs> because it's not clear after all the research I still can't figure it out but it may have been social or you know some oh. customary thing I don't know of at that time um, but what happened is she started exhibiting signs of um, some really um, strange signs and um, and two weeks into this uh, that's when the minister uh, um, took to his journal and he started writing a blow by blow of what had, was going on with this girl. And, um, and so he, you know, day by day. And so he, he literally has a journal, uh, that w- went on for about 90 days, which, which, uh, captured the escalation of this possession story. Yeah. And it's, and it's a, a fascinating and and very uh, comprehensive uh, story. I was surprised at the level of detail and such you were able to put into this story. It's it's really a very compelling tale. Thank you. Yeah, I think it was one of the stories that was really lost to time and to history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I when I discovered it, and I just started peeling back the layers of this onion, and I was it was. Uh, it was a story that just really demanded to be told. I mean, it really sticks out of the book like a like a sore thumb, but it, it really needed to be 
uh, in this book, you know, in in Demons Among Us, just because of the the sheer um, gravity and horror mm-hmm. of of this story. It's ter- absolutely terrifying. What you know, some of the things that she went through, and uh, and so I just felt that it it really needed to to be there. And, you know, I went through 350 years or so of extensive research wow. uh, in order to bring this up. And I, you know, I sorted through parchments, you know, fragile yellowed parchments with black flowing script, you know, written from the 16, 1600s, wow. uh, literally physically touched them and handled them myself. Um, you know, all kinds of things, vital records and historical records and, you know, so there is was a lot of work that um, that went into this story in order to really bring these two uh, these two characters or these two real no not characters two real people to back to life. Yeah, and the story I thought was incredible with per- pretty pretty uh, thoroughly documenting her journey through this and and yes. from the very subtle uh, almost uh, you know un unrecognizable things but right. the, that that the progression was just so uh, you know diabolical you know it, it was yeah and it started very very you know simply and mm-hmm. you know and uh, you know but at some point you know the the minister's name Sammy Willard at some point Willard um, saw that you know this was this was something strange or something just kind of like you know just stuck in his craw and he says you know, but he found it important enough to document it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the and that's the thing. And he, what he was really doing was was he was trying to document the account, not for himself, but he was documenting the account in order to hand it to Increase Mather, who was the, you know, the top um, clerical figure at that time, uh, a minister in Boston, um, because, you know, let's face it, this this kinds of stuff was like. You know, they have heard of the stuff and they've they dealt with things here and there. Mm. But as you read in the book, this thing was this this story was like on a whole, you know, on a whole other level of of evil and terror. Mm. Uh, and so he was trying to gain understanding as well. And um, but he and so he and when he was done, he he had given it to to increase Mather um, and it wasn't immediately published it was actually it was sort of buried for 12 years this story didn't see the light of day oh. at that time it was it was it was basically published 12 years later wow after it ha- after the fact yeah uh-huh. but um, you know some of the things you know and you and you've read them in the book are just so you know completely terrifying these terrifying seizures afflictions mm-hmm. um, you know the um, the the curling back of her of her tongue it was just for days on end and and uh, you know just these these crippling things and was she in league with the devil? Twelve year old kid kid uh, killed his grandparents. He was on the you know one of these uh, medications, and so he and he kept saying. Um, I, I just kept hearing this voice saying, kill, 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 kill.
Well, no, that's a that's a great question, and I suppose you know just to throw it on the table, do you think that this could have been something that we understand today to be like maybe epilepsy or something like that, but at that time was uh, an unrecognized uh, um, illness or or disease? Well, epilepsy itself has been around for a long time, and so they've okay. they've the medical community has known about epilepsy for a long time, and sure. uh, so the the doctor at the time it, you know ruled out like epilepsy, frenetic melancholy, and okay. you know things of what they would have termed you know manic depression that would have been frenetic melancholy, okay. um, and and the reason why it wouldn't have been any of those things is because it accompanied you know other symptoms like supernatural strength. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, um, uh, being able to, uh, remain in like one position for days that just like, you know, and, you know, so it's just, it, and, and of course I don't want to give away the end, but sure, you know, right. speaking in other voices and everything like that. So, yeah. um, it, it's, those don't typically accompany a, a seizure attack or an epileptic fit. Okay. Well, I mean, I just wanted to put it out there just because I, I, no, th- sure. I think that would be uh, the common, the, the common dismissal of today would be to go, well, <laughs> they just didn't know enough then. And now we would find out that it was, you know, some kind of maybe tumor on the brain causing all this weird stuff. And, and no, well, yeah. no, I mean, it, the, this, this, this case is fascinating yeah. in the fact that it wasn't just, uh, the doctors of, that 16th century, this argument went on well into the 1800s. I found articles in medical journals, um, and they were literally still arguing this case, meaning, well, maybe she was a ventriloquist. Like, oh. okay, I highly doubt she was a ventriloquist. Right. Because that would, she had too much labor and work to do, and I'm sure she hardly even knew what a ventriloquist was. She lived in the middle of the woods, for crying out loud. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, there weren't a lot of ventriloquists running through. Yeah, the it wasn't like she was t- flicking on a TV and watching Jeff Dunham and say, "Hey, I want to do that for a living." Like it's just so, you know, just a ridiculous thing. But everything, every time someone doesn't know um, something, what it is, or it goes beyond explanation, they try to they try to right. tack some something on that. And uh, and so and, and so the case, you know, it was argued in medical journals for more than a hundred years after the wow. you know after the fact. Well, you know, one thing that I find interesting is that uh, even is is almost a full circle. At least, um, at least some psychologists and uh, um, psychologists. What am I thinking of? Um, and and counselors of the of the sort, doctors are. There are a few out there that are actually absolutely acknowledging that possession is a thing. You know, and I found that absolutely fascinating because i would think you know it'd be career suicide for any any professional to actually give that uh, an acknowledgement but i've read several uh, articles where um and i think it was maybe it was a psychiatrist yeah that that he he had run into and i don't remember a name and i'm just paraphrasing this so it's, uh, it's but the the point of the matter is is that it is encouraging because i think this stuff is real i really do i've i've you know, I, I don't have firsthand knowledge, but in my journeys into the paranormal for the shows and stuff, I run across so many things and uh, so many accounts. And then talking to people that have suffered from, you know, such things as this, several, right. you know, that didn't, they didn't want to be acknowledged, but I was able to help them 
find help for the for mm-hmm. the for what they were dealing with and and so it is encouraging that at least there are some people out there that are willing to you know acknowledge this and and say yeah this very well might be real because there's a lot of people out there that are saying it absolutely isn't real this is a you know archaic uh, BS from, you know, ages past and it's time for us to get, you know, with the modern world. But I don't think we can go ahead without acknowledging where we've been and, you know, and the wisdom of, of our forebearers, I think is important. Well, I, you know, uh, I think it's way past time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that they've started uh, recognizing this. And, you know, I think for years, you know, they've been, you know, misdiagnosing or mm-hmm. diagnosing things that they don't understand mm-hmm. and trying to medicate and uh, with medicate these people with pharmaceuticals and opioids. Um, and they're really trying to treat supernatural ailments with uh, human uh, human um, inventions and by human means. Yep. And you can't treat a supernatural ailment or a supernatural, um, you know, entity (laughs) with medicinal needs. Right. It's just, you know, it's beyond, and, you know, and since they don't understand it, they always want to try to put some kind of term on it or some sort of medical term on it. And, you know, cause they, you know, let's face it, they have, you know, they have a career to uphold and they have to appear smart. Mm-hmm. And they have to appear that God forbid they say we don't know what this is, right? Right. Right. Uh, and so they have to slap something on it to try to make any kind of rational sense because these things are so far beyond uh, the natural sense because they're supernatural beings. Yes. And so it's not going to make sense to a natural mind because these are super intelligences. Mm-hmm. These are super beings. And you're not going to figure them out with a natural mind, and you're certainly not going to remedy them remedy them with a natural, you know, with a, you know, with pharmaceutical, by pharmaceutical means. Right. And I, and I think, you know, I've, I've wondered that many times and, you know, very sadly, I've, I've wondered how many, how many asylums are, you know, packed with, with not, and not completely. I mean, the mental illness is a real thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying that there are, you know, many people out there who yes. have been diag- misdiagnosed, and mm-hmm. the situation very well could have been they are dealing with a spiritual force. Right, and I agree with you 100 percent because I, you know, and it, because people I think they f- just desperately hang on to their paradigm. They like their world to fit within the lines and and to fit right. within the labels and to fit within the expectation. And there's a comfort in that, and I can't blame those people. I mean, that is. That's admirable, and I can't I can't fault them for that. But uh, again, I think if you ignore this as a as a, a very real uh, event that does surface in our world, um, you know, and, and and I'm sure the pharmacology is that well, you know, they're acting really strange. But if you give them enough of these pills, they just drool in the corner, and it seems to have subsided. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you just compounded. You may basically just fed into the demon's work, you know, sure. because, yeah. you know, there is, we talked earlier about the role and function of, of demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, pharmacoi mm. is another one. And that pharmacoi, the reason why I say pharmacoi is because that's the Greek word in, for sorceries. Uh, and in the book, I tie these, uh, these things uh, in from 
uh, culture um, from the uh, mystical religious use of of pharmaceuticals or opioids, meaning uh, the poppy. It's the poppy that links a lot of the opioids from today's pharmaceuticals to what they were used in the past to hear voices religious uh, in religious ceremony and ritual. Oh. Um, and so then they would, would hear these voices. Why? Because the voices are real. So what happens is, is this opioid or the poppy or the, the heroin or whatever, however it was ingested, whether by fume or by they made tablets. So they made tab, tablets or smoked. However, these religious incantations, um, uh, whatever the use was, uh, well, they would hear voices, you know, and then they would tell the people what the voices are saying or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, because they really were hearing voices because these things break down the protective spiritual layer uh, mm -hmm. in order to speak into the human psyche, into the human conscious or to the, into the human mind. Uh, and in in the middle of the book, I talk about these things where uh, people who were prescribed some of these medications, uh, Zoloft or such, uh, there's instances in the book where, uh, say, one one 12 year old kid kid uh, killed his grandparents. He was on the you know one of these uh, medications, sure. and so he and he kept saying, um, I, I just kept hearing this voice saying, kill, 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 like machine gun fire. He goes, and the only way to make this stop was to do what these things were commanding me to do. See, this guy was taking this form, you know, the derivative of poppy, mm -hmm. breaks down the protective barrier, spiritual right. barrier, and he has no protection. And so he's taking these things and, you know, prescribed by doctors thinking that they're doing this guy, you know, helping this kid out. Right. Meanwhile, if they've broken down the protective layer, he's hearing the voice of demons and he told him to kill, and he did. Oh, wow! So that's a that's a story in the in the middle section of the book. Man, you know that's a that's a, a phenomenal point, and I'm actually really surprised that you brought that up because I I had heard about such things growing up. I kind of grew up in uh, in an esoteric tradition, and uh, mm. that was always brought up is that you know by taking substances you are creating holes in your aura, so to speak. Yeah, doorways, and, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, and I was always yeah. warned uh, about, you know, drinking too much or, you know, being around chemicals and stuff because th yeah. there are dark things that, that will linger there and wait and watch. And, and mm -hmm. you know, these things have nothing but time. So to spend a, a decade or so just watching and waiting. And That's then, true. Boom, you know. Where, that's true. You know, we that's why that's why they can they can do things so subtly over time is because mm -hmm. these are uh, these are eternal eternal uh, beings. These right. are eternal spirits. Um, and uh, I guess I, I guess we should just talk. We should talk about like what these demons actually are. Please. Yeah. So so first of all, these these demons they're eternal they're eternal beings. And what I mean by that these are these are falling fallen angels. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they, because of, uh, Lucifer, uh, who was the head angel, um, he led a rebellion in heaven. what he wanted to do was he wanted to dethrone God and he wanted to become and sit on the throne as God. And, and he, so he put this plan into place and he gathered a third of the angels, uh, to his cause. We don't know how many that is, 
but it could be in the billions and billions, mm. right? And so, uh, and because of this war and because of this rebellion, um, it says the Bible says the devil and his angels were were cast out of heaven, uh, and they're they're cast to the earth and into the cosmos. And so now we have these eternal beings with supernatural powers and supernatural wisdom and supernatural strength who are a fallen creation operating and functioning in uh, in the world around us um, with malice, deep malice towards mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, let's talk about Lucifer for a second. Sure. You know, and it's a common thing in in uh, TV and movies to see this, you know, this hairy, monstrous beast with a with a gravelly voice or, you know, a, a red demon with a pitchfork and horns. And that's the image of what most believe is the image of Satan or Lucifer mm-hmm. today. Well, it's a very, very absolutely extremely grotesque misrepresentation Mm -hmm. because from the biblical standpoint, Lucifer himself was the most beautiful angel God ever created. Mm -hmm. He himself was the highest creation and uh, he in his body was, was made with uh, shimmering jewels Mm -hmm. and, and it was beryl and onyx and sapphire and ruby and gold and diamond. So we have this shimmering creature, um, and his name, Lucifer, actually means light bearer or light bringer. Mm-hmm. Because what would happen in the glory of the light of God, it would shine through him. So when you saw him just move to the left or to the right, like it was just another facet of this dazzling spectacle mm-hmm. and and it was also um, musical instruments built into his form and the Bible says you know uh, uh, timbrels and pipes were built into his form meaning that he was musical and is believed by many scholars that he was the lead uh, choir leader or music minister and so um, all of heaven sang, the devil's songs. And so, um, so basically Lucifer himself was heaven's rock star. Mm-hmm. He sat above the, the throne of God cause he was like a, a protecting a covering cherub, uh, meaning that he was like, uh, the, the, the closest you can get to God mm-hmm. is where he was okay. right now. God himself is a very frightening, frightening, Entity. The throne is filled with thunderings and lightnings and roaring and, you know, crazy creatures. And, you know, so to just to be in that presence is 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 uh, is an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. So here we have the most beautiful, most intellectual, most wise, most musical, most, uh, you know, most charming and most brilliant, beautiful being in all of heaven mm-hmm. and he gets cast out because he's vain because of his vanity and because there was sin the bible says found in him and it was the sin of pride and, the, and vanity and he himself wanted to be god and because of that fallen and taken a third of the angels with them they didn't lose their they didn't lose their powers they lost their home 
And so it's not the grotesque form that you see. He doesn't speak with a gravelly, hoarse voice and walk around with a pitchfork and horns and and say, oh, my devil. Right, it was just, you can almost just see fathomless blackness in this eyes. And I've looked down and I see this claw crawling up my chest and its intent is to, to choke me. But that was the first time, you know, I've dealt with a lot of demonic things. think as we think about that grotesque version that's often portrayed do you think that that could be how people have interpreted his fall and fall from grace and that the anger and all of that darkness kind of consumed him and created this beastly representation instead well all through history we have you know paintings of you know grotesque peach or uh, protest uh, representations of uh you know a winged black you know, creature and, mm-hmm. you know, those of the 17th century depicted them with, you know, cloven hooves yeah. and, you know, things of that nature. Um, I think that uh, people needed some way to uh, describe the level of malice in his mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do you paint someone's character, right? So it's right. like, so <laughs> Good point. these are representations of his character, mm. not his form. Mm-hmm. But in art, you know, you just can't, you know, depict a beautiful being and say, hey, that's evil. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to have some form of grotesque, uh, grotesquery. Sure. um, You know, to to display um, in the form of art what evil might look like. Absolutely. That's a great explanation. Yeah. But... since it, 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 as you as you as you've described, sorry, I'm just kind of tripping on my own tongue here. Um, do you think that that also implies that uh, with with all of that, with the beauty, with with the wisdom, and all of that, it creates a much more dangerous adversary than the just this beastly lumbering, you know, hate or hatred? Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Because the the representations, let's face it. I mean, it's so comical. How can you believe in in such a thing, right? So right. it's like, okay, well, that's crazy to believe in this hairy horned, you know, thing, right? Right. But it makes it. Uh, but that just makes it all the more subtle and crafty and cunning, mm-hmm. uh, is because he's not going to come at you looking like that right it's going to be in the form of temptations of things that you like things that are you know and things that are beautiful even in the garden of eden you know he's he so he tempts eve with the fruit it wasn't an apple it was uh it was the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil mm-hmm. and so and and so he says you know you know basically like you know, you you, if you you if you take of this, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And so Eve says, "Well, we we're not supposed to take, we're not supposed to touch it, we're not even supposed to look at it, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right? Well, she was wrong in in the look at part, but she just kind of took it over the top. And uh, <laughs> and he says, "Well, he knows that when you when you taste of it, you'll 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 be like God, knowing both good 
and evil. And it says when she saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye, Mm -hmm. it was nice looking and it was shiny. Sure. Right. (laughs) Uh, And, and delectable looking enough, you know, to, to eat. Mm -hmm. She took from it and she ate and that's, you know, and, and biblically speaking, that's how sin entered the world. And, and, um, through that, through that moment that she yielded to the devil's, uh, charms. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely, uh, absolutely fascinating. Now, in your own experiences, you had you had dealt with something, obviously very dark, and it had targeted you and several others. What mm-hmm. what did you do then uh, upon having this realization? How did you get rid of it? What what happened that you were able to put that behind you? Well, let's talk about some of the situations sure. first, and then we'll, okay. we'll talk about some like how to what this you know what the answer is and how sure. uh, to get rid of these things. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think where to start. Sure. Um, the the first time I realized that there was uh, an evil in the world or a a devil or Satan. Uh, in the world was um, I, uh, I had first gotten saved. I became a believer in Jesus Christ, and that was um, and one of the first times I've ever you know prayed anything in my life. I knew nothing about prayer. I knew nothing about Bible, the Bible. I knew nothing about God. I knew nothing about Jesus. I certainly knew nothing about the devil, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so it was one of the first times I ever went uh, tried to pray. And so in in my my room, and my first prayer was like something in regards to, well, I don't even know if you're a real God, but, mm-hmm. right? And so anyway, so I'm in the middle of this prayer, and so I feel something kind of like coming to the room, and it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, and it, and, it, and, it, and it just lingered right behind my right shoulder, mm-hmm. and you know, and so I, I didn't want to look back because I could sense it was something evil. Right. And and uh, and then and I scrunched my my shoulder up to kind of like just sort of like you know just to kind of get away kind of thing. You right. know. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the voice spoke directly into my ear and said, "You might have gone to God, but you belong to me. Wow. You will always be mine. I will never let you go." Oh wow. And it was clear as day. I was not on drugs. I was not drunk. I was not on opioids. <laughs> as sober as sober could be. Oh man! And um, and this is why I say that Satan or demons don't have gravelly voices because the voice itself was smooth as silver, hmm. and it was and it was princely, and um, it had a, a, a regal tone to it. Um, because even the Bible says he's the prince of the power of the air. So he is a, there is a princely authority that's on him. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but underneath that princely tone was a cunning evil. You can, you can sense the cunning, the cunningness. That's the only way I can, a cunning evil underneath it. And, um, and so that was the first time I, I heard the voice of the demonic. If it was the devil, I don't know. Um, but I certainly know it was, you know, a demon spirit. Mm-hmm. And so in, in, and so in that regard, that was the first time 
I've ever encountered. And that's how I, I uh, came to the understanding that this stuff was more real than I thought was, <laughs> than I thought it was. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so one of the and one of the times um, going forward uh, many years, um, one of the stories is uh, and you can find this in the book is I was working as a writer at a local newspaper in the marketing department and I lost my job, uh, which mean I had to uh, leave my swanky apartment downtown and I moved out west into a uh, into a a townhome that one of my family members had just sort of abandoned and it was left there for like six months. So when, when I came up into the driveway, I mean, it literally looked like the Adams family or the Munsters (laughs) lived there. (laughs) And when I'm, I'm telling you the truth, Emily, there was like sand, like, uh, on the driveway with scrabbling leaves. Uh, (laughs) and, um, and the, the fence itself was, was crooked and leaning in and the door was even creaking on the hinge in the breeze. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> and over the house and it, the house had two bay windows, square bay windows. They looked over the, they looked over the property, like the two vacant eyes. Oh. And it almost reminded me of like the Amityville horror. Jeez. And, uh, and, uh, and so I went inside and everything was still left there. Like, um, like they were coming, like they ran an errand and they were coming. They were coming right back. Wow. I mean, there's toys on the floor, mail on the mail on the table, milk in the fridge, dishes in the sink, and the dishwasher. And it just looked like they were coming back, but they were right. And so this is where I set up shop for the time being. And so one night, um, I go up and I'm I'm trying to sleep, and all of a sudden uh, I smell this very very rancid smell coming through the home and it smells like you know like a corpse mixed with like this gassy kind of note like a chemical gas kind of note and i'm smelling around so i get up and i start walking around trying trying to figure out where the smell is coming from right and so i go downstairs and it's it's beyond garbage i mean (laughs) I mean, it's putrid. So I I look at the garbage. There's no garbage, and look in the disposal. There's nothing there. And then I look up at the at the air vent, and I and I say, so I say, hmm. So I get a chair. I hug up on the chair, and I get up there, and this rot is just blowing right onto my face. Oh no! And it's just breathing right, (laughs) and I have a suspicion that there's something. Dead. evil going on here yeah. and um and so i get off the chair and i cut the power to the power box to the utility box at the ac mm-hmm. i go back i hook up on the chair and it's still blowing without any kind of oh. uh power and it's still blowing out and i'm like okay something's going on here right <laughs> and so there's not much I can do. So I go back up and I try to go to sleep mm-hmm. as I'm trying to sleep. I, I, uh, um, I, I hear, Oh no, I, I see something, uh, you know, like from under your, like a shift in the light from under my eyelids. Oh, and I'm like, and it's, it's three thirty three in the morning. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm not turning over. I'm not looking at what that was. 
<laughs> so I turn over, I roll over, but then out of the darkness, I hear something call my voice. And it says, I'm going to say my real name. It says, my God. Oh, my God. Real slow, real slithery and serpentine, real creepy. Mm -hmm. And it sounds as far away as it does near. It was like it was spoken in like a cave or like behind like a back of a cave or something. So then I roll over and look to see what's there. And when I turn over, I open my eyes. There's a figure in black at my bedside. Oh, no. And it's tall, lanky, with crooked shoulders. And it's looking down at me with its head cocked and an and a, and a evil smirk on its face. And it's looking down on me. And, uh, and it's got, you know, I could see its face behind, you know, like set in, in the blackness of a, of a hood, of a cowl. And, um, you know, its eyes were just pits of death. You know, we have a light in our eyes. There was no light in the eyes, right? It was just, you can almost just see fathomless blackness in this, in the, in the eyes. <clears throat> and I've looked down and I see this claw crawling up my chest and its intent is to, to choke me. And, and, but that was the first time, you know, I've dealt with a lot of demonic things. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time it became the spiritual became physical and touched me in a, a physical form as as real as you touch anybody else. Right. right. And and so uh, and it was it was wild because this thing was as as much as it was you know spiritual, it was physical. So it was 3D. There was the form was 3D. Wow. But towards the bottom you could see like through its its gown and its gown was not like rags or anything like that the gown was actually like um going towards the body it was like slivers of rec, rec, rectangular um strips that were in layers oh. and the the deeper the layer the blacker it was. So it was like ash gray up front and then it just got blacker and blacker and it was moving like it was underwater. So there was like this watery flow to these things. And, um, so the, the, that was the most terrifying moment I've ever had with the, with a spiritual entity or a demon spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, and now we'll talk about how we get rid of it because, um, this thing was absolutely terrifying. They come with paralyzing fear. Sure. Uh, they take your breath away so you can't call out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it comes also with this deep disdain. It, it was had this hatred that you can feel not only bo- on my body, mm-hmm. but burning through my body like hot tar. Wow. And so it was a dis absolutely terrifying moment and the and the and the 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 clock was flashing 333 333 333 so i have this black figure i have the clock flashing in red in the room <laughs> and this this thing about to strangle me to death oh god so when i finally finally was able to catch my breath i call out to jesus mm. uh, because 
Jesus is the only one with the more powerful than all of these demon spirits to drive out. You know, Jesus says, I give you power to trample on snakes and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Mm -hmm. So it's only in his name and in his name alone that these entities uh, flee. So what happens is a call out on, on the name of Jesus and it just sort of like vanished away like a smoke folding into itself. Wow. It was really, really strange and um, almost like drops of mist kind of like disappearing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was it, you know, and, um, you know, but you, you can't just use Jesus's name like it's a lucky rabbit foot. You have right. to be a believer or a follower. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you run the risk of getting your ass kicked by demons because that's, you know, a story in the Bible mm -hmm. uh, talks about someone who did that. And they said, well, uh, uh, Jesus, I know. And uh and Paul, I know, but who are you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just decided, you know, did, went and tore this man to shreds. So, but yeah, that's how, that's the story, one of the stories. And that's how you get, that's how you have victory over these beings. Wow. Well, that's cool. I'm glad you were able to, to push that kind of darkness away. I mean, that's, that's absolutely terrifying. And it is the stuff of nightmares, but yeah, you're absolutely Jeez. right. Wow. That's, that's so, uh, it's, it, it just makes me shudder to think about what that was like. Yeah. Oof. Well, it was absolutely, it was terrifying. It was, <laughs> there's no other, you know, yeah. there's no other word for it really. I mean, there's no way to, uh, to really convey the stark terror. Yeah. You know, absolutely. You know. Just, but it's, you know, it, and so that's, that's a story in the book. That you <laughs> Well, I, I think it's a fantastic book. And and can you take a couple minutes and let people know how to get a copy of this book, where they can find it? Yeah, right now um, you can get it on Amazon. And I just uh, uh, changed it to my Black Friday holiday uh, pricing. Perfect. Uh, I've never, uh, since I published it, um, have brought down the print price. Mm -hmm. I've I've taken down the print price from seventeen dollars to fourteen dollars and eighty something eighty something cents, um, and I've also reduced the digital version um, to three ninety nine. It's my holiday pricing. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to last long. So if anybody listening wants to get um, Demons Among Us, uh, shocking real life stories from the paranormal at my holiday rates, um, jump on it now because it's it's going away. Um, right after the holidays. Fantastic. And uh, Mr, do you have a a website that you that you uh, direct all this through? Or um, well, I I um, I you can reach me on social media. Okay, perfect. Um, this website I haven't put together yet, but sure. uh, but but you can reach out to me at uh, I'm on Facebook at Mr Gorga, mm -hmm. and I'm at I'm on Instagram at m r Gorga. Um, people seem to tend to like sending me DMs and stuff. So I, um, I, I haven't really, you know, had the, the need so far for a website of people can kind of communicate back and forth with sure. me and me with them. Yeah. That's how I like to do it with the audience. You know, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's been absolutely thrilling and a, and a fantastic journey, not only into our deep past, but into the present as well with a lot of great insights and, uh, and piece of, uh, pieces of advice. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I, this is a, I had a great time. 
Well, absolutely perfect. We'll have to get you back on to discuss more of this because I think I think knowledge of, of the demonic is important because it, it, you have to know this enemy that you're dealing with. And, and I think everybody that walks the face of the earth runs the risk of, of maybe having to deal with this. So it's always good to know thy enemy. <laughs> you have to know your enemy. Like, uh, it was the Chinese Sao, uh, how was the author? The, um, Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. Yeah. Yeah. Something like, yeah, yeah. Yep. That was it. Yep. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for making the time today and coming on. Appreciate you having me on. This is a great time. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paranormal Portal Radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows, Journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, check it out, guys. We're over there at youtube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So... Hope to see you guys soon. Uh, We'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day. And remember to laugh as much as you can.